Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you, but first we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is Australian Magical School. Hello listeners, I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem, and today we're finally doing it. We're talking about the Australian Magical School. This will be the last episode in our Australian Magical series and is the culmination of everything we've just talked about in the last three episodes covering land, history and culture. And also in a way the culmination of six years of doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is like... We're going to have one more official episode, which is our wrap-up episode, but we're not learning anything new in that episode. It's just talking about the show and, like, everything that we've done over the course of it and, you know, how deeply grateful we are to all of our listeners. This is our last, like, actual content episode. Yeah. Wow. We're here. We've done it. (laughs) I know. We've reached the summit. Um, And I think it's funny because, like, this is the sort of thing that we talked about for years, the Australian Magical mm. School, how it would look, what it would be like. And the sort of things that we talked about when we were little kids, just we've come up with something that's so vastly different and better now. Yeah, of that course. I feel like it's really been an evolution. We've really evolved it into something that I would actually like to attend. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is saying something. Because <laughs> the published Magical School, Hogwarts, on reflection, I would not like to attend that school. <laughs> I think I'd still like to go. (laughs) I'd love to fuck around for seven years and mess up my life (laughs) just to be in a weird magic castle where insane shit happens. Mm. I think that's a good thing to do when you're a child. (laughs) All right. Okay. So I started out doing some research to see if other people had talked about an Australian magical school so I could rip off their ideas. Okay. And (laughs) I found... (laughs) Uh, A couple of things. I found one very detailed Reddit post, which I'll link to. Uh, I disagreed with basically every single point. Uh, It definitely wasn't written by an Australian, and it falls into the JK trap of just trying to transplant Hogwarts Uh and uh, paint it with some local colour rather than making up a school that makes sense for the country. But it did have one idea that was cool, and that was five houses based on the five stars of the Australian Cross. No, sorry, not the Australian Cross. The Southern Cross, which is the consolation on our Australian flag. I thought that was a cool idea, but unfortunately all the house names suck because stars don't have cool names. No, they don't. So it was stupid. (laughs) And the other thing that I found was one episode of the Australian podcast, Plumbing the Death Star, episode 150. I name dropped it in our last episode because I did my notes out of order and forgot that I hadn't introed it yet. (laughs) 
We'll link it again uh, in the show notes as well. We'll link it again in the show notes as well. They basically did an episode just like this where they tried to come up with their Australian magical school for Harry Potter world. Yeah. Uh, they had some ideas that I liked and a lot of stuff that I really didn't. But if you like listening to our nonsense, check out them because... Oh yeah, it's just more nonsense, more of the same. <laughs> yeah, more nonsense, but about other things besides Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, okay. great stuff. So I have the essential components of a school. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. <laughs> what I think, the things that we need to decide on, the name of the school, obviously. Yeah. The location, including how it's hidden and protected. Sure. The number and ages of the students. How do they get to school? How are they enrolled, including muggle-borns and Indigenous students? Uh, a house system, or lack thereof. Uniforms, subjects, extracurriculars, and finally, the school motto. Okay, I have all that, so that's great. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything that we need to add? I think that's the, the bones. That's what we'll need. And um, hopefully yeah. any other moments of genius will reveal themselves as we blabber on. Um <laughs> We'll find it. We'll find it in the moment. <laughs> okay. Let's okay. start with name. Now, yeah, I don't know if our listeners know this, but historically, every time we try to name something, usually like characters in a book that we're writing or like some kind of nonsense with just the two of us talking together, what happens is I suggest a name and it's crap and bad. And then immediately Jem steps in and suggests a much better, cooler, perfect name. <laughs> and it's like her superpower. So do you have a name for the school ready? <laughs> I have some ideas. I have some names that I think are kind of shit. Um, so we'll talk okay. about them. Did you have anything down here or were we just depending on me to come in with the name? <laughs> I had some uh, some bones that I thought you could work from. First okay. of all, the names from the sources I just mentioned. In Plumbing the Death Star, they named their school Waddle Brush Academy. That's a good because, one. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were playing on the idea that Hogwarts uh, may have come from the Hogwart flower. Yeah. yeah. Or from the word what hog reversed. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also from Reddit, not from the post itself, but from some of the comments, people suggested the Gazza's School of Magic and Shit, <laughs> or <laughs> Baz's School of Witchy Grub Craft and Pissery. I thought those were both very good. <laughs> I love those. Uh, yeah, those are great. Gazza's School of Magic and Shit is great. Uh, but in terms of JK's naming convention of uh, word for magic and then word for house, mm. uh, that's really hard to do in yeah. Australia because we have many, many indigenous languages. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I look, I had a go at this. I don't know if it's any good. I don't think we'll use it. But I decided to use uh, the indigenous language to the area where we grew up. Uh, Bunjilung. The Bunjilung language. Yep. I didn't know if we were going to shout that out or not. Oh, oops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, just because, you know, there's thousands of languages and we don't know them all and we couldn't possibly go through all of them. I just yeah. picked the one where we grew up because that makes sense to me. So in the uh, Banjalong language, there is a word for stone, which is neurum. Neurum. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's spelled in English N-Y-U-R-U-H-M. Okay. And that word means stone, but it also means magic or clever. So it might be okay. magic stone. And then bini, which means house. So Nurum bini, stone magic house. Yeah, that sounds cool. That was the best oh. name I could come up with. Now you go and blow me out of the water. <laughs> I think, honestly, yours I think is better. Um, but... oh, cool. This will be the first time ever. <laughs> um, so I started like you. I was like, okay, 
there's lots of words in many different indigenous languages for mm. things like meeting place or house or something like that. So I'm like, okay, well, I can't choose one language. I didn't go for your route. I'm like, okay. Then I was mm. thinking about making a link to the rainbow serpent because I think mm-hmm. the emblem of the school might be the rainbow serpent because I just think that's cool. Um, but again, the rainbow serpent has many names and rainbow school doesn't sound cool and it sounds kind of fruity. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, hmm. We don't want a fruity um, school. <laughs> no, no, no. That's for the gay island off the coast of Australia. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, how did I not talk about that in culture? We have a gay island. It's too late now. We've got to kick ahead with school. Then I was thinking about what the plumbing boys did with wattle brush, like a type of plant may be a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very like, you know, mass appeal and like, you know, still relevant to the native land. Yeah. And also um, it sounds good and official, like wattle brush yeah. Academy. Like sounds absolutely. Good. That sounds like a real proper school instead of yeah. Cass's school of magic and shit, which <laughs> sounds made up. <laughs> then I thought, what if I tried to connect like land, water and sky into a name, Ooh. but I couldn't think of how to do this. So I thought of water could be ah. something to do with the rainbow serpent or maybe like a billabong. Um, mm-hmm. But I couldn't think about the other two elements. And so then I was thinking, okay, but most importantly, despite what formal or lengthy name I give this magic school, what's most important is going to be how the kids that go to that school and other people in the Australian culture refer to it by its nickname. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the important thing. So (laughs) I came up with one that I think kind of incorporates some of the ideas I was thinking of. And it is wanky. Just fair warning, wanker warning, content warning. (laughs) Okay. uh (laughs) Content warning, wankery. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Aurora Australis Academy of Magic. Ooh, I love that. But its nickname, you've heard of Triple J. Now (laughs) get ready for Triple A. (laughs) Triple A. That's dumb as shit. Where'd you go, Triple A? Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I can see it. Um, Uh... And then I was thinking also, like, there's a concept I've come come up with later. Um, I might actually have to describe this later. But basically, I'll touch on this a bit later. But another idea I had was combining the concepts of, like, the red dirt of the inland of the country and, like, Mm -hmm. the sand of the coast. So I was thinking of something to do with ochre and sand or ochre and shore, like ochre shore or something like that. But but then I was thinking also the nickname would be Ochre, right? Ochre Academy. Yeah, of Um, course. Yeah, Yeah. Ocker was one of the things that I was going to pull for my archetypical Australian characters. Ocker is like Bogan. No, wait, Bogan is an Australian thing as well. Um, Ocker (laughs) is like Hillbilly. Hillbilly, Redneck. Um, Yeah, that's the best I can do. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Look it up yourself. It's OKKA if you don't know what an Ocker is. Yeah. So if we had something like Ochre Sand or Ochre Shore, it would would just Mm -hmm. be nicknamed Ocker. I Um, like that a lot. Ockershaw is good, and then the students would call themselves Ockers as well. Yeah. Ockershaw, I think, works quite nicely. Um, it still sounds like something that you would hear. Like, if, if I was in the Gold Coast and I heard that a kid was going to Ockershaw Academy or Ockershaw School, I'd be like, mm-hmm. that sounds so Gold Coasty. Yeah. Um, I like Ockershaw <laughs> Academy. I think Academy sounds a bit more official than school. Yeah. But I also really like AAA, and I think Aurora Australis Academy sounds like something that, like, the Federation of Australia would name mm-hmm. its like official school. So I can see it go both ways, but those mm-hmm. are my suggestions. <laughs> uh, just briefly, if our school was called Nurembini, the nickname that the students give it would be the bin. <laughs> it, would. It, would be, it would be bin school. <laughs> 
Yeah, the bin chicken would be their unofficial mascot. All that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Bin chicken is ibis, a kind of uh, ibis is from Egypt, so people should know what an ibis is. But like yeah. a what's what's the word? Bird. A scavenger bird. <laughs> I thought you were looking for the word for bird. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was looking for the word for scavenger. <laughs> I know what a bird is. Oh my god. I was like, what's like a bin predator? <laughs> scavenger. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Locations and how it's hidden. Should we get into that? Should we decide on a name? <laughs> oh, all right. Um, I think I Oka kind Shaw. of like Oakeshaw. Yeah, Oakeshaw's nice. It's not as wanky as AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Oakeshaw. Yeah, let's do it. I really like the idea of the students calling themselves Oka and saying that they go to like the school's called Oka. Yeah, because, yeah. And I love it... the Australian tradition of giving everything a nickname that makes it sound stupid. <laughs> And this actually folds in quite nicely with one of the big uh, structural elements of my school. So I guess we'll be choosing that structural element later because it fits for the name. Okay, cool. <laughs> so <that's>, <laughs> I guess we've great. landed on that. Yeah. So next location and how it's hidden and protected. Again, I've got some couple of ideas from others that I want to run through and dismiss quickly. Sure. Uh, yeah, let's do it. First of all, on Reddit, so many people being like, what if we hid the school inside of Uluru? No. 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 is <laughs> <Bad>. one. <laughs> It would honestly be kind of cool if the school was hidden at Uluru. It's already sacred to the Aboriginals, so don't put it there then. And I'm pretty sure they're restricting visits to it. It could be inside Uluru or on top and just concealed with invisibility to anti-Moko charms. You said it in your quote. It's sacred to the Aboriginals. And they're restricting visits. So don't put the school there. Anyway. Uh, the plumbing boys also fell into the trap of wanting to put it under Uluru, but then they are like, no, actually that's bad. So they did course correct. Good. And they eventually decided on a bunch of corrugated iron demountables hidden in an abandoned <laughs> sheep farm. And that's great. Love Loved that. It's a vibe. It's a real vibe. It's yeah. absolutely a vibe. Uh, but yeah, I think we've got some of our own ideas. Do you want to pitch something or do you want to hear mine? <laughs> I'd like to pitch. Um, so I think initially when the idea of an Australian school was first proposed in like the new developing colonized Australia... Mm-hmm. It was it was in one location and it was like trying to emulate that Hogwarts style where there's like yeah. a secret hidden location, all the kids get sent there for mm-hmm. a year, and there's house system, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously initially this would have been reserved for white Australian magical children. Absolutely. Um, and then maybe a couple of decades pass, maybe a century, it gets to like the 1950s and they're like, oh, hey, you know we should open up our educational institution to indigenous kids and kids mm-hmm. that aren't white. Um, and uh, so they're like, okay, well, let's go out to communities and ask people to give us their kids for 12 months. Yeah. And <laughs> given the history of this country, especially with First Nations people and stolen generations, that went terribly. Of course. So <laughs> this is just how I think that all transpired. And now I want to talk about... When I'm talking about the school from now on and um, what are they calling it? Oakeshore. Oakeshore mm-hmm. Academy. I think I want to talk about it in like my idealized, modern, contemporary version of what this school looks like. Okay. Okay. So just like go on a little journey with me. You can imagine how it might have developed to this point, but this is how I want to say it, it looks like now. Mm-hmm. Um, That's We're creating so... like our perfect <laughs> fictionalized school. I don't think we have to <laughs> fill it with racism if we don't want to. <laughs> no. Yeah. So my Oakeshaw, it would not be in one location, mm-hmm. okay? 
So I think that there are several locations throughout the country where the students would travel to complete their studies and Mm -hmm. learn about different kinds of magics on and around significant cultural sites. Perfect. The Oakeshore school year would follow the Australian school year in real life. So there's about four terms, about three months long for each term, Mm -hmm. starting in January, ending in December. Mm -hmm. That's the school year. Um, So I can see the magical students going to one place for three months and doing a term there. And then the next term they go to a different spot in the country and they do their studies in a different environment. Okay. They learn... they learn practical hands-on instruction for that particular place and based on that place's culture, history, and teachings. I can see that there would be boarding arrangements for the students either on that location or nearby, which is cloaked and hidden from muggles mm-hmm. with enchantments, or maybe it's underground or underwater, depending on where the place is, you know. Um, I can see that students and their families would typically be given the option to board on location for that term or to travel to that location from their home each day. And naturally, these arrangements would vary depending on the family, how close they may live to the locations in question and their cultures and all that sort of stuff. So that's how I'm picturing the location. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I did come up with like one idea for a central campus, but I think with, I think I love the idea of a school being a group more than it is a physical place and like the school the orcas just sort of travel around the country and they go to these places of intense Mm -hmm. magical power and And there's like distinct places there's like maybe two dozen or something of places that they travel to so i guess i'm pitching one of the places or maybe like a common setup for what the campus is in certain places Uh, are you familiar with the town of cooper pedy very familiar and it's definitely one of the places i have on here yeah okay so cooper pd is an underground mining town quite literally it is a town built into the tunnels cut in red sandstone for opal mining 80 percent of the town's population live underground because it's cool down there in the tunnels Mm. so here's a quote about cooper pd the remote south australian town of cooper pd takes its name from the aboriginal worlds cooper and pity meaning white fella hole and that's accurate. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. The township is full of holes dug by eager white fellas. In fact, most of the town still lives in those holes. Cooper Pedy is located for the most part underneath the outback sandstone. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend look, uh, Googling this place. It's spelled C double O B E R, second word P E D Y. And you can look at pictures of the town of like people who have walked around with cameras and taken photos. And it is this otherworldly place all dug into the, um, like the red, red stone and all the light coming through is red, Mm -hmm. but like a soft light red. Mm -hmm. And there's just like shelves carved directly into the walls. And someone has like a spa in their home because they've just dug it into the rock and filled it with water. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Like, it's just a very, very cool, interesting town. And I yeah. like the idea of, like, different places will have different setups, but for the most part, the students are brought to a place and then we just put them down into the tunnels and they live underground and that's where they stay yeah. hidden, especially during the day. And then they come up to the surface in the night to do, to do their magic in the dark where they won't be seen. Yeah, I also, I could even see that if we were discussing that historically there was one location Cooper Pedy being that location underground yeah. city slash school I could really see that 
um, going on. So yeah, I like that. Especially a lot. because it used to be an opal mining town. Like this is why it's all underground. So maybe yeah. opals have some sort of magical property, and they're like, well, that's a good place to put all the magic kids where the opals are. Yeah, makes sense too. If the rainbow serpent is the emblem, it's a rainbow snake, like an opal. It's like mm-hmm. you know, opals could be significant in the you know how like in the house system at Hogwarts they have all the rubies and sapphires and emeralds for all the different houses and the yeah. points. Opals could be incorporated into the decoration or the 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 structures of the school. Um, yeah, I love that a lot. Yeah. Opals, uh, for anyone immediately not familiar with the, uh, an opal, it's like either a, a white or a black stone which has a rainbow flecks throughout it in all different colours. So if you hold it up to the light, you can see basically the entire rainbow in either a white or black stone. They're very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have some, like, I like a list of just, like, some locations that I think... If we're going with my structure of Oakeshore being like, it's all over the shop and you mm-hmm. move around each term and you learn different things in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some specific locations that people might like to Google and get an image of um, that I've listed here. <laughs> yeah, love to hear it. So Cooper PD, South Australia, like we just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Daintree Rainforest in Queensland, which is right next to the Great Barrier Reef. I think that would be right. a great location to learn about marine animals and magizoology and magical botany especially mm-hmm. um lord howe island is i think it's off the shore of new south wales um it's full of like amazing wildlife it's also very isolated you could only mm-hmm. like to have 400 people max in the island in the real world um the pinnacles in wa it looks like the moon basically it's just a big desert and there's like these towering structures of rocks just coming up like stalagmites Mm -hmm. it's cool um the three sisters of new south wales uh litchfield national park in northern territory alice springs which of course is where uluru is situated in northern territory but like i I was gonna say (laughs) if we are traveling around to different places visiting uluru would definitely be something that's on the cards not climbing it or getting inside underneath (laughs) but visiting and learning from the peoples there that would be great (laughs) yeah like i said with all of these places um i'm imagining that the boarding which is, again is voluntary depending on the term but anyway mm-hmm. it's like if, if you're at a sacred site say like alice springs on uluru the boarding would not be there it would be like a couple of kilometers outside of it in like a concealed area that's not on a sacred mm. site yeah like, a nearby know. hidden underground campus yeah. that has been so the, there for a hundred years yeah the kids can secretly travel and like learn and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um i've got here 12 apostles in victoria Mm-hmm. Catherine in Northern Territory, the Whit Sundays in Queensland, Mount Warning in New South Wales, and Cradle Mountain in Tasmania. Mm. Um, yeah. So, oh wait, just a quick fact about Mount Warning: that area and the rainforest surrounding it, up from New South Wales into Queensland, is called Australia's Green Cauldron. So that could yep. be, you know, potions, botany, mm-hmm. lots of stuff there. Yeah, I was um, just about to name drop the Green Cauldron. If you didn't bring up uh, Mount Warning, I was going to. So the Green Cauldron is basically what is left of a super volcano. Yeah. So if you imagine Mount Warning, and you can Google Mount Warning if you're not familiar with it. Mount Warning is a mountain, and it used to be a central, like the central lava chamber of a volcano. Mm-hmm. And the volcano itself expanded all the way out to the mountain range that surrounds Mount Warning. If you Google Australia's Green Cauldron, you'll see how massive this area that I'm talking about is. It's like, I don't even know, 50 square kilometers, maybe 100? Huge. Yeah. There used to be 
a super volcano the likes of which does not exist on the planet Earth anymore because we've cooled down from dinosaur times. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the whole area used to be just one volcano and since it last erupted millions upon billions of years ago, there is now an incredibly biodiverse and rich area there. So mm-hmm. that would be a great place to go and learn magic. I really love Australia's green culture and it's like a cool thing that I've researched <laughs> for separate reasons. Yeah, so like all those places I just listed, highly recommend if you're really interested in what we're talking about, give those places mm-hmm. a Google, look at the beautiful images, admire the natural beauty of Australia and just yeah. have a think about if there was like this traveling Ogreshaw Academy and all these kids were every terms, every three months, they were going to these places on location and mm-hmm. sure, they'd be doing their usual magical studies, their charms and all their bread and butter. But while they're in these specific locations, they'd also be learning about the relevant oral histories, the relevant mm-hmm. spiritualities, that place, the cultural learnings, the way that the people in the land communicate in that space. So say for the kids that are staying in Daintree and Rainforest, in the Daintree Rainforest next to the Great Barrier Reef, that would be amazing for all the kids that are super interested in things like marine magizoology, right? Or like mm-hmm. the botany of the rainforest. Um, and like, you know, like all these kids would get to see all these different like environments and the ways that people live differently and learn about all these different cultural practices. So I think that's just how I'd like to imagine the school. Um. <laughs> um, I do have one more thing to add in there. And this is an idea that just leapt to me when you were saying oral histories, oral histories, obviously referring to like the indigenous Australian histories and the dreaming, but yeah. the idea of learning history orally just made something spark in my head. I've yeah. mentioned before the gold fields and the shipwreck coast wouldn't mm-hmm. it be cool if the students could go to those places and learn from like the ghosts of the oh, of course, people there? Yeah. yeah. Learning from the ghosts of the people on the shipwreck coast, like original, original colonizers and settlers to Australia and mm-hmm. like the people who never even made it to the country, but are now trapped here as ghosts. That's yeah. fascinating. That would be so interesting. Oh yeah. I plan for them to go everywhere. And also they'll have to do the school excursions to places like Canberra to see their government mm-hmm. and, um, Ballarat to see their bank and stuff like that. Like maybe not yeah. the prison. Like leave the kitties out of the prison. But yeah, but like, they don't need know. to go to the prison. <laughs> but like you know, so that they understand these institutions and how they affect yeah. their society. I think but like would, you know, yeah, yeah, they would go past it on their way down to Tasmania because they've got to go to Tasmania at some point. Of course, of course. Yeah, and like I've listed a bunch of locations that are like more remote, you know, natural beauty. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they'd spend at least one or two terms in places like Melbourne and Sydney as well because mm-hmm. like. I mean, sure, it's hard to hide a bunch of kids there, but there'd be ways and, like, they can stay in, like, outer Melbourne, outer Sydney, all these sorts of things, and then travel into the city to learn about that place. Like, I think it's, like, definitely the idea of, like, a moving, mobile, flexible school where it's, like, you're getting the full, vast experience of this country, of the different kind of environments, of the different magic and practices that take place across this land. I think it's Mm. very important for their practical education. So that's... I love this. That. <laughs> I love this yeah. so much. So my next thing was number and ages of students, but let's skip that for a sec and go with how do they get to school? Because... Okay. Yeah, their school <laughs> is all over the fucking place and you kind of already covered it. Yeah. I was thinking, when I was thinking one campus, and I knew that we weren't going to have one campus, but I came up with that originally because I knew that we would then branch off from it. Yeah. Uh, Travelling to the nearest capital city unless the school is closer, and then flying cars from there. But if the school is traveling from place to place to place, what if they have some kind of magical school bus, like the magic school bus? (laughs) 
like one bus and it maybe it flies or maybe it travels on land or whatever but it's like one bus that can fit however many students and teachers are traveling around from place to place and like it just takes them where okay. they're going so that happens every three months once they're moving to yeah. a new location yeah I every can like definitely big see migration that. yeah like if all of Bobatons or most of Bobatons can fit in a tiny carriage then yeah the mm. whole Australian Oakershaw school can fit in one magic school bus that ships them from their first term location to their second term location yeah but as that, for like yeah yeah that's from location to location and then from like wherever they're staying to the location or like if they're staying in their homes and traveling mm-hmm. to the locations like brooms port keys like all the usual yep. travel stuff walking depending on how far yeah. it is smoke travel magic cars muggle cars muggle transport mm-hmm. um yeah i think this is great i was also thinking about uh remember the age-old joke like when you talk to anyone who's not from australia and you say they're from Australia and they're like, oh, do you really ride kangaroos to school? It's yeah. Like the classic thing. What if they did? Okay. Yeah. So like, what if there's like a, a magical creature? I'm going to invent it now on the spot. I'm going to call it Skippy. It's like a kangaroo <laughs> looking creature, mm-hmm. um, but you can get in its pouch. It's not gross in there. It's not like a kangaroo pouch in real life. Yeah. You can get in its pouch and um, instead of like hopping along quite quickly, it actually sort of space jumps. And so it, one hop is like, thousand kilometers or something like that or it just takes you where you need to go in a matter of like a minute um <laughs> i love that like seven mile boots or whatever they're called yeah a little skippy and it's just yeah. some kids that have a domesticated skippy or have some skippies around town they can just ride a kangaroo to school <laughs> also i just need to say this because it's disgusting and people should know people uh seem to think that kangaroos pouches are kind of like a bag they're <laughs> no. not they're more like an orifice they're more like a like vagina a- yeah, I was going to say like a mouth, but no, they're more like a giant pussy. So yeah. <laughs> the idea of climbing into a kangaroo's pouch is repulsive. Yeah, it's, it's like maybe the worst thing I can imagine. <laughs> wet, like literally when the joey is like a tiny little pea-sized thing and it has to crawl out of the pouch as a little embryo or whatever. Like mm. <laughs> it's it's like a vagina. It's like gross. Yeah. People people think of them as bags because joeys keep going in there when they're very very large. Like they jump in and yeah. out of the pouch. But like the idea of a person getting in there is oh. no good. Bad Moist. to think about. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I like your magic kangaroo that does have like a magic bag. That's yeah. Good. Skippies. <laughs> I like skippies traveling around by skippies. So yeah, but again, like probably most of the kids, especially because this school's going everywhere and staying places for three months at a time, probably mm. the majority of the kids are boarding in like these hidden, magically enchanted, I'm just imagining like a bungalow that's mm. like got like a bunch of beds in it, a shower block, there's like a mess hall where there's like the food is served and then there's like a bunch yeah. of outdoor areas where all the kids walk to and all that sort of stuff. Like just a yeah. demandables vibe, you know, like a campsite. And, like, it- it's going to change. It's going to change basically every term because yeah. every term is in a new location and maybe that location is quite close to where you live or where members yeah. of your family live. So in that case, you'll stay with them for that time. Exactly. Or you'll be boarding with the rest of the school. Or yeah. there might be periods, like you said, there might be times where they're visiting Melbourne. I imagine that would be a semester where like a lot of what they're learning is muggle integration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like maybe they get boarded into the various houses of witches and wizards who live in Melbourne because there's got to be tons of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be different arrangements every time. And so like, I can definitely imagine like the first day of term when you arrive in your new location, the entire day is just like, all right, kids, time to clean. Yeah, <laughs> because it's all <laughs> dusty and gross from like not being 
not being inhabited for a while. Yeah, you rock like... up to the place and, like, the first thing you do is clean and set it up. And yeah. then, like, learn the local environment and the local place. Like, here's where we're going to be going for school and here's the arrangements for here and that sort of thing. Yep, yep. Great. Yeah, I love this. I think this would be such a cool school to go I know, to. I literally, I want to yeah. go. Like, imagine just traveling around this country for a solid seven years. We'll figure that out soon. Yeah, um, that's the next thing to talk about. <laughs> seeing all these amazing places, being rural, remote, being urban, being suburban, being on islands, coastlines, mountains, mm-hmm. like desert. It'd be just incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> so let's talk numbers and ages of students. Let's go. In Australia, our primary school starts at like five and continues to about age 11. And then high school is age 12 to about 18. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking this would just be a high school, but then last Same. episode we were talking about uh, children practicing magic from a very, very young age. Okay. Do we think very, very young children are going to this school? Because it's no. quite intense to be gone for three months at a time. No, I definitely think this is a high school. Um, okay, good. I agree. Yeah. So I just want to start quickly. So if we're basing the student population off our UK numbers, which we said might be not accurate based on what we yeah. talked about with colonization, but we're going to go off it. So mm-hmm. in the UK in the nineties, that's about 700 Hogwarts students. Right. If we do the comparison between populations with the UK and Australia, we can make the assumption that there's maybe 200 Australian wizarding school students, mm-hmm. 300 maximum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a big amount of kids. It's very, yeah, I would go from like 150 to 300 and yeah. averaged out at about 200 and something. 200 and something sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as well, I think this school is going to be voluntary. Like, because I think there'll be plenty of communities, plenty of people who don't want to send their kids away for that amount of time. Yeah. Especially Stolen Generations history, Indigenous communities. And especially because there's like, as we've established, rural and remote centers that are completely magical. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we're basing this like a high school... um. And these kids have already been living in this magical community for their entire childhood, being homeschooled. A lot of families might just opt to be like, well, hey, they can learn here on community or we'll teach yeah. them ourselves. They're already integrated. Homeschooling. homeschooling. Or distance education. Like, homeschooling you or just, distance. Yeah. Yeah. I really you, just think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get all of your schooling mailed to you by the Australian government and then you just do it. Um, do it yourself in your own time with like your parents as teachers or maybe by calling into somebody through your magic mirror and then uh, you do your end of year exams probably you would travel to a place and do your exams at a certain set time and then Mm -hmm. it's like okay cool you're fully qualified there you go yeah I think that would be an option for some people I think still that there'd be a pretty big population like about 200 kids going to this um, to Oakershaw yeah um, because what I... a lot of parents don't want to have to deal with their kids <laughs> it's yeah like, fuck off go to school it's good to send your kids away and get a fucking break from them mm. <laughs> definitely but i think definitely there would be like certain indigenous communities that are like you can have our kids over our dead body and would not send yeah. their kids away or even a, like skeptical of this you know of this institution's teaching it's like well we've been teaching our people for thousands yeah. of years we have our own practices and culture exactly well, we need to go to your school you know? Yeah, we don't need to teach, we don't need to learn your white fella magic. We've got our own magic. Yeah. Uh, and also, another thing I was thinking is a lot of rural communities are farming communities. So, like, you don't necessarily yep. want to send your kids away during growing working. and planting seasons because yeah. they're working. Yeah. But they might attend, like, maybe one or two semesters out of the year certain times or yeah. just when the schools are close by and they can commute daily. So, they yeah. wouldn't necessarily attend full time. 
but they might attend one semester a year. Yeah, it's and do the rest by distance education. Mm-hmm. It would be far more flexible. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So ages of students. I just said our high schools are twelve to eighteen. I are we doing eleven be... to seventeen, or what? What do we want to do? I like twelve to eighteen because then by the time you finish school, no matter where you are in the country, you can drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Which means that they'll really be drinking from like 15 to 16, just like we were. <laughs> yeah. So 12 to 18, I think is fine and appropriate. I think parents are more willing to send off their 12 year old to go gallivanting around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It also <laughs> means that basically everyone's teenagers, like the first yep. year you're a kid and it's all new and exciting. And then after that, everyone's teens. And I think teens riding around together on a bus and living underground is a far more manageable dynamic. <laughs> so before the age of 12, kids are taught magic at home. The kids mm-hmm. from all magical communities may also be homeschooled in things like math, English literacy, as um, which is the same in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on the family and the kids. Some people might send their kids to like a muggle school or if they're a muggle born or a half blood, they would already be going to a muggle school. So they learn yeah. the maths and all that sort of stuff. I think muggle schooling is quite common for young kids. You yeah. go to muggle school to learn how to read and write and then mum and dad teach you fly buzz off spells and whisper boomerang spells and like the basics yeah. when you're at home. Basic yeah. potion craft. But I think even in these like rural all magic communities, there would still be like some sort of school that's public that is like here's how to add here's how to subtract here's how to write Mm -hmm. in english or whatever language they're using um because you know those kids need to know those skills (laughs) yeah of course it's important um magical school so okashore is an expectation but ultimately if you wish to homeschool you can do so i've already covered this so yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's what i have for like the schooling age and the population 12 to 18 about 200 kids 300 absolute maximum would be the expectation. Um, okay. Yeah. And for context, we grew up in like a small town, not completely rural area, but like, what's mm. the net, what's the medium between rural and city? Suburbs? Suburban. But even then yeah. I've looked at it online. It is considered rural where we grew up. Okay, cool. So we grew up in like a rural area. There were a couple of high schools in our local area. Our high school had a population of 12 to 1300 and my mm. year group was 250. Yeah. By the time we graduated, we dropped down to, I think, 150. 100 kids had dropped out of school before we graduated. Yeah. Which was allowed. You were allowed to leave two years before I left. So this is an incredibly small school. Thinking of an entire yeah. school being, like, just my year group? Jesus Christ. I mean, like, the primary school that we went to, which was even more rural, mm-hmm. was 100 kids total for all, like, kindergarten to year six, 100 children. So just double yep. that. And that's about the average cohort. And, like... In that primary school, everyone knew everybody's name. We all knew each yeah, other of because there's a hundred yeah. kids. Like... Because there was there was between one and two classes for each year. Because there was yeah. between thirty and sixty students. No, it wouldn't be sixty. There was only a hundred of us. Yeah. It would have been in my class. There was ten students. Yeah, it would have been like yeah. between ten and thirty students for each year year yeah. group. Because there, there was, was ten seven students. Years there, there was like seven girls and three boys. Like that, it was so funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's right. I'm I'm misremembering because I'm confusing with high school, which had thirty students to a class. No, no, primary school. Yeah, no, primary tiny. school was much smaller. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm like imagining the primary school classrooms and the number of desks, and I'm realizing that I don't think I was ever in a class with more than fifteen students. No. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, our primary school was uh, small. <laughs> so how are they? How are these kids enrolled? Muggleborns and Indigenous students need to be considered here as well. Yeah. Um, so we've already said that there's no trace. We said that last episode because it doesn't yeah. make sense. So 
How and is... like also just while we're on the topic of the trace it doesn't make sense in the harry potter series itself because <laughs> yeah. it's like it introduces it at the, at the beginning and then jk is like i'm sick of this i don't want to deal with it anymore so she yeah. changes the rules for it and basically gets rid of it and makes it pointless because yeah. she just hated it after a while <laughs> <laughs> so yeah fuck the trace we're not doing that i'm thinking it's like a mix of census and self-enrollment so i think like mm-hmm. australia has a census it's important like every 10 years or so we have people it's way less than that <laughs> oh five years i don't know uh, doesn't the census happen every four years or something it's like a letter that shows up i don't know anyway yeah um, whatever who cares <laughs> every couple of years you either get sent a letter or someone arrives in your town and starts counting people um mm-hmm. so i think there would be something of that element in a magical sense obviously there's problems with this um, especially in indigenous communities, they might hide their children from the government, understandably. Um, so I think the census system would exist, but I think also when it comes to like enrolling your kids in Oakershaw, I think that ultimately it's a self-enrollment thing. Like if you if you have a kid that's born, they start showing magical pro- uh, qualities, you would simply contact whoever it needs to be contact the government, the school, and be like, hey, I've got I've got a name for your list. Um, for mm. people who are muggleborns, though, this is interesting. I don't know how we would detect muggleborns. What do you think? Yeah, so, so I was thinking about the Hogwarts system, which is there's a book of names, and when magical people are born, their name is part of the book. And then eleven years later, McGonagall or whoever takes all the names of from the book and sends out the letters. Okay, interesting system. I think when a magical person is born in Australia, a cockatoo shows up. This is at birth when you're born. A cockatoo (laughs) shows up and says your acceptance letter to the school out loud. And you have to pay attention and (laughs) remember the details because they're not written down and they don't repeat. And then you just got to figure it out from there. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah. And then for muggles, a teacher shows up and is like, hey, were you paying attention to the cockatoo? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you weren't i can help you but for wizards you just gotta know <laughs> so like do the cockatoos tell the teachers that like an, a muggle-born child has been born yeah no i don't think the teachers send the cockatoos i think the cockatoos just know yeah but do they tell the teachers because oh yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> like you just said the cockatoo shows up at the family and yeah. it's like hey this is a witch and the family is like, "What the fuck am I hallucinating? I just had a baby." Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess the cockatoos then fly back to the school and tell the principal and or the vice principal, and it's their job to keep track of it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know something to that extent. I was thinking like a map, like um, ooh, maybe a map. In... <laughs> find a treasure, and the treasure is your education. <laughs> no, I was thinking like um, if we're arguing that Cooperpedi. Um, or something akin to that it was like the original location for the school right mm-hmm. i'm guessing maybe um i'm picturing like a cavern in there with like a wall and on that wall is carved a big map of the country Ooh. and maybe when someone is born who was magical like a bit of the wall chips away and there's an opal shard underneath and it shines great and so like the Cerebro. teachers yeah the teachers have a bit of a stroll by and they're like oh this shard is shining someone must have just been born and they use some sort of spell to sort of figure out exactly where that person is Mm -hmm. and um then they maybe do a cursory glance to see oh is this person magical in a magical community yep they are no need to worry but if they're in like a muggle area or if they're from muggle-born parents they're like okay we'll take a note of that we'll have to go to this place and 
you know, figure out in 12 years or so how to contact these people or something like that. Something to that yeah. extent. Um, yeah, you've made the system a lot more complicated. I mostly just wanted to keep the idea of a bird shows up, but instead of a letter, it just says your message out loud because we have talking birds in Australia. Why not use them? Oh, yeah. No, I, I was talking more about Muggleborns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Muggleborns, I think, get visited by a bird and then also a person to confirm that yeah. the bird was not crazy. <laughs> Let's talk about house system then. Okay. Um, should I go first because I have a different view or should you go first? I don't know. No, you go um, first because before we... Just a little peek behind the curtain, <laughs> listeners. Before we recorded this episode, we talked about some ideas because we've been talking about this since we were five years old. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we decided on no house system. But then when I was doing the research for this episode, I came up with an idea for a house system that I got very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a house system that I would like to share with you. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about Jem's ideas first, because they're probably going to be more canonical. Mine's just fun to talk about. So, like we've established, it's a pretty small population of kids, um, and the boarding situation will fluctuate. So I don't see there being houses yeah, like there is Hogwarts, where you stay in your dormitory with your own house. Um so I can see there being sporting houses mm. and this isn't based on personality traits or, or sporting aptitude or anything. It's just random or alphabetical. Um, and the houses would hundred percent be named after like magical creatures. So like there'd be the Skippy's house, the Billywigs house, the Bunyips and the Yowies or something like that. Um, and they'd be used mainly for recording attendance, for sporting events and competitions. Um, for like particular assemblies where it's like, oh, we need to tell this information to specifically the Bunyip kids because their plumbing has been fucked up or mm. something like that. <laughs> um, or a buddy or support system. So it's like, oh, all the Bunyip kids stand over here so we can count you and make sure you all have a partner while we walk through this rainforest and stuff like that. Yeah, makes um, sense. And I guess like maybe each of the houses has a little little emblem and a little color and maybe these kids wear a patch so you can tell them apart. But yeah. overall, it's not the same, like, personality-driven, fucked-up, competitive thing that Hogwarts has. It's just, yeah. like, this is the house that you were randomly allocated into, and it only really matters on, like, school swimming day. Like, it doesn't affect you. Yeah, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that is a far better vibe for a school. <laughs> In terms of houses, I was thinking... I, I'm not done, sorry. Oh, no, I, sorry. I'm not going to try and launch into my houses now. I was just going to okay. say... I think that it really makes sense to have like some sort of organizational system for the students because as we've said, the numbers are going to fluctuate from term to term and also yeah. they're kind of living, not completely unsupervised, but on their own. So it makes sense if you sort them into smaller groups and have yeah. older students in charge of the groups and looking out for the younger kids. So houses is a good way to do that, I guess. Mm. So here's where Oakeshaw stuff comes in. So I also think that if we have, say, 200 to 300 kids that to make it even easier for the staff, they might split the school into juniors and seniors. Mm. So that way there's a cohort of about 100 to 150 for the teachers to manage on their trips around the country. Yeah. And so juniors and seniors wouldn't be educated together. Yeah. They would see each other at like end of year ceremony or graduation or whatever you want to call it, and maybe some important events, but mm -hmm. like ultimately they would be in their own separate timetables and they'd be on different parts of the country. Okay, okay, so you don't even think they're in the same places. I thought the same places, no. but you're splitting the classes into separate groups. No, I'm thinking se different places. So ah. juniors, age 12 to 15, might start with their schooling being in more rural, remote, inland locations yeah. that are easier to hide in while they're still untrained and not as stealthy. Mm -hmm. 
But senior students, ages 16 to 18, would travel to more coastal populations where they might be more likely to accidentally come across non-magical spaces. Mm -hmm. And so they have the skills and learning to be better at hiding themselves and being more trained in their magic. Mm -hmm. So all the juniors are in the inland of the country. And then once they graduate to senior levels, they can go to the coastal areas and learn about those different environments. Yeah, Um, I like that as well. I think earlier I said something about like, you know, there will be time when they're educated in Melbourne and Sydney and they'll be learning more about muggle integration. I was definitely thinking that would be yeah, happening at the end years. of the schooling. It's that's like, when they're ashore, not an ocker. Yeah. yeah. ashore. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it's like you've mastered your, well, not mastered your magic, but you've got enough control and discipline that I expect you not to fuck up and explode things so you yeah. can hide amongst muggles. And it's time... It's time to work on your specializations, on your more complicated high-level magic that you should have control over. And also, moving into adulthood, it's time to think about, like, for us as muggles, it would be time to think about university-level education and specialization. For wizards, it's more like time to think about muggle integration, how are you going to actually function in the adult world, where are you going to be living, what are you going to be doing, that sort of stuff. Big decision time time to think about what what like area you might like to go into like if it's a trade if you might like to study further what you might Mm -hmm. like to specialize in all that sort of stuff yeah Mm. yeah i think splitting the school into juniors and seniors makes a lot of sense yeah the ochres and the shores yeah and the places they go to and the things that they learn being dependent on age as well makes a lot of sense that works i like that a lot yeah it's also reflected later in the uniforms but i'll get to that in a moment okay cool (laughs) Uh, time for my house system. <laughs> Let's go. Let's hear okay. It. So I came up with this mostly just because I got excited. And I think, I think the f- most fun part of coming up with a school is coming up with the house system. Cause it's so iconically <laughs> Harry Potter. So yeah. I wanted to come up with one anyway. I wanted to avoid the JK thing of being like, here are four magical creatures from mythology because okay. that's what she did with native American animals. And it's like, well, actually, you know, these animals have like, stuff going on aside from what you've said about them so maybe that was racist and you shouldn't have done it so what i was thinking as the emblem for the ochre schoolhouses are extinct megafauna nice because australia has really cool iconic extinct megafauna and also they're extinct so they're not related to anything and uh base the traits on a combination of the aspects of the animals and the four australian archetypes that i talked about last episode Okay, cool, cool. That's why I went through that. So I'm going to talk about the animals first because I did the archetypes last time. <laughs> Unfortunately, most extinct animals have boring science names <laughs> <laughs> or the name is just like giant wombat or something. So that was a bit hard, but I found some with good names and then I shortened the names to have good nicknames for the houses. So I ended yeah. up with a reptile, a bird, and then a monotreme and a marsupial, which is kind of nice. similar to Hogwarts, except they have a reptile, a bird, and then two mammals. Yeah, sounds good. So for our reptiles, I won't go through the ones that I... No, I'll briefly mention the ones that I discarded. I discarded a Megalania, which is a giant carnivorous goanna. And I landed on Quincana, which is a giant crocodile. Nice. Five to seven meters long, long legs, chases animals for food, and blade-like teeth. Awesome. Speculated to be one of the top predators of Australia, and definitely one of the largest. Uh, Possibly entirely terrestrial or semi-aquatic. And a persistence hunter, not an ambush predator like other crocodiles. Also signs of interspecies aggression. They fought each other. Yeah. Our bird, I discarded a thunderbird, which is great. And I landed on the bullock cornus. Or the bullock cornus known as the demon duck of doom. 
Oh, yeah. I sent you a picture of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> or the bull bird. They were up to 2.5 meters tall, weigh 250 kilos, probably a herbivore in, com- in commas. <laughs> they are called the demon duck because they share ancestry with ducks and geese and they have a distinctly large bill, which is thick and had huge bite force. Sure. Uh, similar in height to an emu, but much, much heavier. And they lived in river areas with lots of other species. Cool. My monotreme was the Murray Glossus hacketi, a okay. sheep-sized echidna. A really unique species, only one in the genus. Largest monotreme to have ever lived. They have a long beak, a long tongue, long legs, and they're very good at traveling. Nice. Uh, we found burn bones, which suggest these were hunted by humans and have been depicted in indigenous rock art. Amazing. These are cool. <laughs> uh, for my marsupial, I discarded the thylacine, time out Tasmanian tiger, and yeah. the uh, vombatus hacketi, a wombat. giant big wombat. Very cool. Because yeah. they, they would have been called the vombats. Oh, anyway, I landed <laughs> on the Procoptodon galia, a okay. giant short-faced kangaroo. Yes, I've seen pictures of this guy. Yeah. Yep. Largest <laughs> kangaroo known to have ever lived, three meters tall, weighing 250 kilos. These animals were just fucking huge, man. <laughs> They look similar to mon kangaroos and may have lived among them, but much larger. Uh, large clawed toe on each foot, which helped them move quickly. Front paw similar, large clawed toe. And two long clawed fingers for grabbing branches and pulling down leaves to eat. They might have been too big to hop, so they walked like a human. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Making yeah. them vulnerable to being hunted by humans. And they have big face muscles to chew their food. A very widely dispersed species because they were adapted to tougher diets. Okay, here are my four animals that I'm going to build the uh, houses on. <sighs> so the houses are the Karnas, the Bullocks, the Murrays, and the Goliaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Karnas are our crocodile house. They're based on bush rangers. They are yeah. brave, assertive, and tenacious. They value freedom, chivalry, and persistence. Our bullocks are our demon duck house with the bird as their icon. They're based on larrikins. They are mischievous, friendly, and fierce. They value humor, defiance, and camaraderie. Nice. Murray is the echidna house. They're based on bushmen or bush poets. They are creative, independent, and respectful. They value nature, harmony, and travel. And finally, the Goliath, the kangaroo house. They're based on battlers. They are hardworking, tough, and adaptable. They value honesty, mateship, and perseverance. Awesome. Cool. I love them. That's my house system. (laughs) They're great. I think I'd be a Murray, based on the school I've designed. Probably Mm. a Murray. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking uh, maybe either Goliaths or Murrays. Probably Murray as well. Mm. Creative, independent, respectful, value nature, harmony, and travel. Not exactly, but of the four houses I've presented, that's probably the closest one for me. Cool. Okay. Oh, that's a house system or lack thereof. <laughs> how do they how do they get sorted? Is it just vibes? Um, yeah, I didn't come up with a sorting system. Should have done that. Oh. Um <laughs> just vibes. Vibes is good. I like the idea that you can pick your own house. Yeah, I think that sounds better. Yeah, like you don't get sorted because mm. like I think you see the house emblem when you first arrive and you're told about like the history that it's based on, you're told the house traits and their values, and then you just pick. Because then you can yeah. pick to go with your friends if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, I think, think like 
we can meet it halfway you know mm-hmm. we can do like a house system like which isn't based on personality but it's like based on these creatures and these archetypes so it has a history to it but they're randomly selected you just get put in a random house it's just for organizational and sport carnivals um and they still have these cool names and animals attached to them yeah it could be that i just i guess i wanted them to still have like the values and like the personality traits so that you can feel like you're part of something but i i didn't want you to be like forcibly sorted into one of them like i want to like be able to pick your own house definitely that's more important because I think spending time with people that you have stuff in common with and get along with is more important than being in the badger house or whatever. Yeah. I just, I really didn't want a system where, like, you're getting points based on the traits and you're in competition with each other. I don't think there's a house cup or a house cup no. system. And I don't think, no, yeah, I don't think you're in competition with each other at all, except for sporting events, which is just like, you've got to make teams yeah. to play sports. And this is purely yeah. just a way to organize the students. It's just like, okay, we've arrived at our new place. Uh, here are the dorms for the Karnas, the Bullocks, the Murrays, and the Goliaths. And, you know, find your bed and sort yeah. yourselves out, basically. Or like, you know, we need yeah. to elect some students to be in charge. So we're going to get three students from Karnas, Bullocks, Murrays, and Goliaths. And they'll be the prefects. Yeah, yeah. one vote. Yeah, it's it's just an organizational yeah. system. And, like, maybe there's a bit of house pride and, like, you know, I really love crocodiles because I'm in the Kana house. But, like, it's not mm. it's not a whole thing. Like, it is in England. Yeah. It's far more chill. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely see that. I love your animals way better as well than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, should we go on to uniforms? Yes. I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. So... I have less thoughts, so I'll go first. <laughs> you go first. Uh, first of all, the animal skin cloaks for formal occasions, like I was talking about last time. Sure. I think the general school uniform is a very, very lightweight and cool cloak with a hood mm-hmm. designed to keep the sun off. Mm-hmm. And uh, either I had coloured red to match the desert sand. That's when I was thinking we were going to be in Cooper Pedy. But I guess it's coloured based on whatever's going to match into wherever they are, if they're all over the place. And I think that's only worn outside and then inside you don't wear the cloak and it's like a maybe a shorts and skirts sort of combo. Okay, cool. Um, so uniforms, I had junior uniforms are better suited to blending into an inland environment, so they're red-brown colours. Perfect. Senior uniforms are better blending into a coastal environment, so they're green-blue colours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an easy distinction as well, you know. Yeah. The ochres are red and brown, the shores are uh, green and blue. Mm-hmm. So I had I could see them as like... Uh, good sturdy closed-toed shoes being essential because these kids are going to be trekking in all sorts of environments. Yeah. Um, shorts and sleeve shirts. Uh, hoods. I had hoods as well um, that are attached to the shirts or those hats. You know those like caps that have a neck flap down the back to protect your neck yes. from the sun? Lame That's... hats for children. <laughs> yeah, the lame neck flap hats, um, but make it fashion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... I think also there might be a winter uniform for colder climates that have trackies, longer sleeve jumpers. But um, I think for the end of year feasts and more formal or ceremonial occasions, mm-hmm. um, the students might like have like more of a private school look with like button down shirts, trousers, skirts, dresses. And that's just come from the colonial history. And maybe, maybe a ceremonial cloak with a hood. Um, that makes sense. Like a fancy yeah. version of the uniform for special occasions, like graduations and stuff. Yeah, they're weatherproof and imbued with magical cloaking fibers to basically like 
make sure that if you fall into a, a billabong, like you're only wet for a couple of seconds and then you get out and you're fine. That's um, good. I like that. The Quidditch and sports uniforms have more movement in them. Mm-hmm. So they might be a little bit more like, you know, <laughs> what's, what's another word for slutty? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> showing more skin because, you know, you're flying around most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they more, ne- yeah, tight fitting and yeah. uh, form fitting, yes, I think the nice way to do. Yeah, <laughs> nice way to say it. They include knee and elbow pads, helmets, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I also thought of this thing, which I just think is dumb and funny and definitely something that an Australian school would do. Um, a wand lanyard or a wand loop. And then I thought, lanyard. <laughs> so it's just... A lanyard. It's like a lanyard that you wear, but your wand is attached to it. It's optional. Do you so, wear it around your neck? You can wear it around your neck. You can take it off and strap it around your wrist. You can put it on your belt. You can put it around your head. You can put it wherever you want. Mm-hmm. But it's just sort of, I can so clearly see all these kids walking through the bush with their wands hanging around their necks on the lanyard. It's just because like, it's just such a thing. I don't know how to describe it, but I definitely think, and this is not just for magical Australia. I think wand holsters should be a thing for wizarding fashion because you've got to carry this shit with you everywhere. It's like a long, awkward object that you have to have to hand at all times because you use it constantly throughout the day and everyone just carries it around their pockets. Like what the fuck? Yeah. No, you should have, like, a holster. You should have it on your hip or on your arm or whatever. So my solution to that was the wanyard, which I think is mm. also going to be an Australian magical invention. Yeah. Um, I like can, the wanyard. Yeah. Wanyard's funny. It's good. Strap it anywhere, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> also, as we've discussed, the houses, I'm guessing the houses will have certain emblems and colours. There'll be a little patch they can be sewn onto their uniform. Um, and my last thing is with graduation. So if we've said that the senior students are, like going to be doing their more specialized studies mm-hmm. um i'm imagining at the graduation ceremonies all the ochre students have their like nice ceremonial cloak which is make, maybe like a beautiful orange or something mm-hmm. the senior students have their deep blue cloak but for the senior students that are graduating like in their final year they start off with a white cloak and then when they walk up to get their um certificate or their graduation whatever it is whatever they specialized in like whatever the subjects are more focused on their cloak changes to the colors that correspond with their specialties and it's like a nice graduation magical effect so like say there's a kid who's like they specialized in like magizoology and like cooking or something Mm -hmm. and the color for magizoology is like green and the cooking color is like orange and so they get a cool nice tie-dye effect on their their graduation cloak and then that's something that they can keep as like a little keepsake um okay I wasn't thinking just colors. I was thinking more like a tapestry, maybe. Yeah, even like, like art. pictures. Yeah, yeah like you this, know. I don't know if this is good. Maybe just for indigenous students. But mm. uh, so indigenous art, like the symbols tell stories. Like there's exactly. a symbol that means kangaroo. There's a symbol that means meeting place. A symbol that yeah. means river. So like maybe uh, like traditional indigenous art that like tells the story of your schooling and the things you learned, the places you went to that particularly resonated yeah. with you, the teachers you cool. spoke to. Like a whole tapestry of your education from beginning to end. I wonder if that's even like something that the students option can do themselves. Mm. Like, so maybe a lot of the artistic students might be jumping on that. I even thought as well, like for the kids that are specializing in visual arts, maybe like one of the projects they have to do is like design a bunch of these cloaks for a bunch of their classmates. Mm. And they all get given a certain amount of people. Um, Yeah. I like the idea of 
you either make or design your cloak yourself. Either you do it yourself or like you're taught the spells that will imbue the cloak with the things that you need it to yeah. do. And like you do it over the course of your school and you work on this oh, cloak cool. from when you join to when you graduate. So like you decide, look, yeah. at this this place we went to Cooperpedi, that didn't really resonate with me. But when we went to Mount Warning, like yeah. I loved it there and I really felt like I was part of the place and part of the land. And I really vibe with this one teacher who was a ghost on the shipwreck coast. So yeah. I want to have like part of what they taught me as part of my cloak. That's that sort cool. of thing. Like like at the end of year 12 when everyone signs your shirt and like they write little in-jokes on it. But mm-hmm. you're designing it yourself. So I yeah, I would imagine First Nations students who are like adept artists would have like traditional storytelling things but there'll be other students that have like you know their own interpretations of stuff and like Mm -hmm. maybe it's just a bunch of quotes maybe it's like a visual artist thing like you know yeah it'd be great that'd be cool i love that a lot i love Um, that a lot that's really really cool that's maybe the coolest idea we've come up with (laughs) (laughs) nice nice um okay sure yeah i love it subjects okay sure right so i definitely think we should split the subjects between junior and senior Okay. And I think bet- in junior years, all the subjects should be compulsory. And then yep. in senior years, you can drop whatever you don't want to have. Okay. And maybe also in senior years, other subjects that are like advanced or extended versions of the things you learned in junior years open up. Yeah, specifications and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think here's th- that was off the top of my head. Here's what I had in my notes. Care of magical creatures are core class because animals is such a hassle. I definitely yeah. think, like, nature and the environment is a core class. Yeah, herbology, yeah. Flying is a core class, and apparition starts much earlier. I think maybe apparition starts as soon as you get into the senior school, so that would be 16. Yep. Actually, 16 is when it starts in Harry Potter as well. Now, let's start at 13. Why not? Let's start at 13. Okay, cool. So you get your, like, kindergarten year at age 12, and then as soon as you're a teenager, it's like, all right, time to learn how to pop into place. <laughs> okay, and the idea is you will have mastered and gotten your operation license before you get into the senior years. Yeah, yeah. Good, because that gives the senior years much more flexibility of movement as well, because mm-hmm. they're integrating themselves into higher populated areas. Perfect. Yep. I like that. Yeah. And then I had uh, Indigenous Studies... Yeah. I will. I think there will definitely be certain kinds of magic or kinds of teachers that are just for the indigenous population, mm-hmm. like secret business. It's just not to be shared with outsiders. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that will just be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I had on core subjects. Do you have any more ideas there? Oh, I had just all the general cores that we see at Hogwarts, like yeah. DADA, potions, herbology, care magical creatures, charms. I had astronomy. I think astronomy is more important here than in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to do a quote here. This is from Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe, which is a great book about Australian history and agriculture of Indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, By Emu, the creator spirit Emu left the earth after, after its creation to reside as a dark shape in the Milky Way. The Emu is inextricably linked with the wide grasslands of Australia, the landscape managed by Aboriginals. The fate of the Emu, people and grain are locked in step because for Aboriginal people, the economy and the spirit are inseparable. Europeans stare at the stars, but the Aboriginal people also see the spaces in between where the spirit emu resides. Oh, that's so I amazing. Think, yeah, there's definitely, like, obviously the stars are important, but there's also spaces around the stars <laughs> that <laughs> I think are included in the astronomy. We see the lights above the RVs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, transfig- Stupid reference. <laughs> Transfiguration, History of Magic, Australian, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, magical cultures. So I like to see this as like a mix between learning about First Nations practices and also 
like an international studies vibe. So mm-hmm. we have this in our core classes in junior high school where it's like, oh, here's a bit about society and culture in India and China mm. and like <laughs> the countries, usually the countries that surround Australia. Um, and you just sort of do a bit of that. So I think yeah. like, yeah, that'd be good. Muggle and studies, I think, obviously. Yeah. I think muggle studies is going to be a bigger thing in the senior years and for the junior years, they won't really touch on it yeah much because they're in much more remote areas but everywhere they go you're going to be learning the history and the geography of the place yeah i think yeah. also a big one um and this is a bit australia focused is magical trades and skills so mm. these are big cores like like how we had to do the cores where it's like cooking sewing woodwork metalwork i think yeah. all these kids would be learning how to cook clean and it, even do things like carpentry and manipulating metals and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and I think this is important because in Australia, there's a real culture here of like high school and schooling isn't for everyone. Um, mm. You can drop out before your senior years and like go into a trade or go into a skill and like you'll still have half a high school. So you'll have like a high school graduation. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you can choose to like graduate early in high school, basically. And something that was repeatedly told to us in high school was your final two years of high school, your senior years the only reason to do those is if you're going on to university. If yeah. you don't want to go to university, drop out. Yeah, It's 100%. pointless to stick around high school for an extra two years when everything that will be taught in the classes is basically a pre- uh, preparation to get you into university. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're not doing uni, don't do those years. Do something else. Go get a job. Go to a trade. Do something else. Yeah. The last, like, core that I had was what I'm calling Magical Society, and this mm. is like a mix of commerce, legal studies, e- economics, like how the postal system works. And I think this will just be like sort of the essential understanding that the kids need to know, like how a bill becomes a law and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, because yeah, that's good. Be, there'll be kids that'll be like, oh, I want to work in the postal system or I want to be a journalist or I want to like, you know, be a weatherman. <laughs> yeah. And these are the kind of like, this is the class that gives them that all rounder view of this is how Australian magical society works. That um, is incredibly useful for the Muggle Studies, not the Muggle Studies students, for the Muggle-born students. Yeah. Because, like, Harry Potter doesn't have any of that, and he just sort of no. gets thrown in the deep end and doesn't fucking know anything that's going on and has to have it explained to him by Ron. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to even mention, healing should be... That, that'll come oh, yeah, later. yeah. Healing. That'll come in later, yeah. Yeah, I think healing is a, one of those subjects that isn't part of the core curriculum in junior years, but in senior years it opens up as a new subject you can take. Yeah. Because it's I a more specialised down... form of magic. I have those down as electives. I can go into those now if you want. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think all the core classes are the junior classes and the electives are the senior classes. Yeah. And they get more complicated and more difficult as your schooling goes on, obviously. Yeah. So some electives I had are alchemy, Mm -hmm. um, First Nations studies. Again, I think just it's like more extensive, more deep diving into like uh, First Nations magical practices and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, culinary. I don't know why I had this specifically. Like, so food. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you were hungry when you wrote these notes. <laughs> um, arts. Uh, mm-hmm. Agriculture or um, aquaculture as well, I guess. And yeah. I want to have, like, obviously, like, the botany, the magizoology, all that sort of stuff yeah. here as well. Um, yeah. Marine. So, like, marine ma- magic and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. marine magical zoology and magical biology. Yeah, I like the um, idea that care of magical creatures when you're junior, and it wouldn't just be magical creatures, it would be like care and understanding of magical land and animals. 
yeah. gets expanded out into like six separate subjects when you go into yeah. <laughs> senior like, years. Yeah. And then healing as well. Mm-hmm. Healing yeah, would those definitely are the ones be I one. Had. Astronomy, I guess you could learn more about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think also, like like you said, some sort of extension of the introduction to magical world subject that's like, mm. this is a subject to do if you intend to end up working in magical government or magical media or... Yeah. Like... Magical society. Magical society, yeah. yeah. Like, these are the subjects to do preparing you for various different career paths and not yeah. necessarily the different schools of magic. Yeah, they'll teach you how to be, like, a good administrator, how to be a good negotiator, how to understand budgets and all this sort of yeah. stuff. Like, so yeah. So if I want to work for the magical government, like, I I will do these, these governing and, like, history subjects to sort of learn more about the country, but then I might also take, like, the botany and the culinary subjects just because I'm interested in plants and I, I love cooking. So yeah. those are the things that I want to specialize in for my magical development, but for my career development, I want to be a politician or whatever. Yeah. 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 Did you have like more like senior focused studies or electives or anything on your mind? No, not really. I feel like we've covered a lot of this in like yeah. previous episodes on magical education. Healing apparition, oh legimency and occlumency, that's something we always bring up. Yeah. Those sort of like mental cerebral magics would be covered in the senior years. Mm. What about animagi? Do you reckon that's a subject you can take as a senior? Yeah, I think so I said like specializations when you get older i think something like when i was in high school i had the option to do certain major works they were called yeah and i did three because i was an insane person i did three major works in different subjects the first was a personal interest project which was a uh like a social study that i had to do into a certain group or phenomenon in a subject called society and culture yeah. The next was a monologue that I had to perform for drama, and it was like a representation of a school of theatre. And then the third was an 8,000-word short story for an English subject, which could have also been a poem or an essay or something, but I chose yeah. to do a short story. So those were, like, major works that I did to be like, here are the culmination of six years' worth of education in this subject. Yeah. Something yeah. like that for, like, a personal interest project for transfiguration might be learning to become yeah. an animagus. Yeah, definitely. But like I, a personal interest project for something like magical botany might be like, I'm going to grow and nurture this extremely rare plant that needs mm-hmm. very specific, you know, uh, things to make sure it doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> things like or that. Or for like magical woodworking or whatever, it's like, I'm going to create a magical staff which can be used to do yeah. certain things like that. It's yeah. basically like... This is an area of study and of magic that I'm very interested in. I want to show everything that I've learned in the past, however many years I've been educating myself in this subject, and also push my studies above and beyond what is offered by the school with the guidance and support of my teachers. I'm like, yeah, it's like a thesis, basically. It's like I'm moving into a new area and doing something unique yeah. and special that I requires could... a lot of time and effort. I think That'd those things amazing. are open to the higher years. That'd be amazing. Like, imagine, like, the senior magical students, like, there'll be, like, one night where it's, like, a feast night, where, like, the couple of students that are interested in, like, mm. culinary and food are, like, making exquisite, like, meals that are, like, mm-hmm. their passion projects. And then, like, you could walk through, like, the um, the bush walk that's designed where it's, like, all the herbology students have created amazing exhibits on these, like, trees and plants or, like, 
the there'd be a music night for the students that are like creating incredible like musical experiences or something like it'd be insane it'd be great stuff yeah um, sounds fantastic i'm yeah. thinking of like the things the works that were created in our high school by like the woodworking and metalworking departments yeah. like the chairs and stuff that they would create mm. Like, imagine spending an entire year creating just one chair. That's, like, what certain mm. students did. And they yeah. were amazing. They were incredible. They were set up, like, museum exhibits. You could go and see all the artwork, mm. especially by the design and art students. Yeah, yeah. Remember um, Sarah's series of portraits that she did? Yeah, gorgeous. Exquisite. They were incredible. Yeah. I also had some extracurriculars. So, like, these are, like, school clubs and things that you can also do. Mm-hmm. Um, sports, 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 just lots sports, of sports, 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 all the way through sports, sports in every year, every single yep. sport you can imagine. Um, yeah, lots of arts clubs, music, dance, theater, um, mm-hmm. creature clubs, botany clubs, bushcraft, yep. cultural and clubs like a First Nation society, Chinese society, etc. Yeah, all the uh, nerd shit, chess clubs, and gobstones clubs, and reading yeah. clubs, all that bullshit, study debate clubs. club, yeah. yeah, study groups, yeah. Leadership and community groups, which I think would be, like, called altogether, like, mateship clubs. So it'd be, mm. like, you know, like, volunteering and, like, student yeah. representative council, being a prefect, things like that. Like Yeah. I think we have, they might not even be called prefects, but, like, school leaders or school captains or captains. house leaders. Yeah. 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 I think house leaders and school captains is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we would have, because they're split into juniors and seniors as well, we would have heaps of them. Yeah. 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 I can definitely see all of that. Mm -hmm. So I had as an extracurricular, because like I had all this as well, sports, sports, arts, blah, blah, blah. An extracurricular for, I guess, the junior school is flying around at night specifically to scare muggles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you heard of the the Min Min lights? No. Okay. So this is a real phenomenon in Australia, in Outback Australia, specifically in Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, people will go out into the outback at night and see basically lights in the sky and they move in certain patterns and through certain places. It's often cited as a UFO phenomena, but we have records from the indigenous people seeing them predating colonization. Wow. So the Min Min lights are like a thing you can go and see in the sky at night. And I think it's very funny if there's wizards flying around on their brooms, (laughs) like 12 year olds scaring people. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I can also see just a bunch of, like, like unofficial school clubs forming. Yeah. Like, the Bunyip Wish Club. The kids that keep going to the same billabong and leaving, like, messages there in bottles to get a Bunyip Wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that sort of stuff. I don't think that's a club. I think that's just a thing people do. Ex- <laughs> extracurriculars, I'm just covering, like, stuff that the students do. Like, I don't think the Min Min Lights is a club. I think it's just a thing <laughs> that they do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if this is a thing for other countries, but we have muck up day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So muck up day is the final day of your schooling where you show up in usually costumes. Sometimes themes have been decided on and you don't go to any classes and you basically just spend the entire day mucking around and yeah. sometimes disrupting and annoying the other classes and the other students, but mostly just fucking students. around and having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kidnapping students and glad wrapping them to a pole is a popular muck up day activity. Vegemite on the stairway rails and yeah, like, pranking the, the school. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, pranking the school, yeah. b- 
blowing bubbles everywhere, like all kinds of just silly, stupid activities. For my muck-up day, well, first of all, mine was shut down by the school and then it was not allowed anymore because of various <laughs> terrible things that happened. Yeah. Uh, but before it was shut down in like the first half an hour when we were enjoying ourselves, I modified my school uniform because I didn't need to wear it anymore. I took one and uh, cut it up into shreds, basically, and used it to modify a different school uniform into a clown outfit. Yeah. And wore that and had a lot of fun running around. Yeah. Ours was also shut down early because they were, like, super, like, they didn't want any muck-up days because they were, like, of what you guys did. Um. Yeah. My year was the final muck-up day because, uh, effectively, someone took it too far and then the school shut it down and they weren't allowed anymore. Yeah, um, um, that was very sad and upset, and it was because of one disgruntled student basically who ruined it for everyone. <laughs> so like, our uh, our year was like restricted to the back oval. We weren't allowed to set foot in the school. Even people trying to use the bathrooms were like screamed at. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. They yeah. they were pissed because of what happened yeah. our year. It was like a whole thing. <laughs> so then, like, there was a one point during the day where everyone's like, "Oh, we should just march in the school," and I'm like, <laughs> "Bye," because I didn't want to lose my HSC. I didn't want to lose my high school certificate. Yeah. So I drove away and I went and had fish and chips somewhere else. Anyway, yeah. um... <laughs> should I just tell this story because I feel like it's it's teasing the audience if I don't just explain what happened. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> I'll just say it's just a quick story. Basically, what happened is in the final week of school, there was a certain student who was a fuckwit who we all hated. And he brought a knife to school because he thought that was a cool and fun thing to do and not stupid. And the teachers found him with his knife and he was immediately on the spot expelled because you can't bring weapons to school. So he was expelled. And because it was the final week of the final year of school, basically that meant that he couldn't graduate. He couldn't do his high school certificates and he couldn't get into university because he didn't have those final results. And... Because it happened that final week, he wasn't able to enroll in another school in enough time to do his exams. So he basically just flailed school in like the final week. And I don't know if he eventually enrolled somewhere else the next year or whatever, but either way, it was a huge thing and it cost him a whole year of his life. And because he was deeply, deeply furious about being kicked out of school, uh, he showed up in the middle of the night the day before muck-up day, broke into the school and uh, first of all, broke a bunch of shit, broke a bunch of windows and like trashed the school. But he also got a spray can and uh, painted, let's say, violent and uh, sexually explicit uh, graffiti about the members of the school who had expelled him. So notably the principal, the vice principal, the other vice principal, uh, all over the massive quadrangle in the main school. So like it was the first thing you saw when you walked into school, these massive, huge, explicit uh, things and uh, our entire school got blamed for our entire year got blamed for it the actions yeah. of one person who wasn't even there he wasn't even part of muck up day because he wasn't part of the school anymore but of course they didn't care and they didn't want to hear it and like people in my year like took the pressure washer and like tried to get rid of this stuff like we were really trying to you know make it right because we didn't really like none of us vibed with what was going on but uh, we got pulled into a hall and screamed at by the teachers and it was a whole thing. And we got the, the muck up day was yeah. shut down and we were set, kicked out without the first hour. It was a whole miserable thing. Anyway, it's not a fun story, but I thought it's, I've mentioned it too much to not explain it. So let's just cover it and move on. Yeah. And the ripples of that was still felt four years later with my year. Four years later. Yeah. Yeah. That school doesn't do muck up day anymore because of one student who ruined it for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I think Muck Up Day as a school is a thing for the Orcas. <laughs> yeah, and it would be insane because of all the magic and... Because of all yeah, the magic. 
It's like Fred and George Weasley being like, we're done. <laughs> Fireworks, let's get out of here. Yeah. Because the spirit behind it is like, this school has absolutely no power over me anymore, yeah. so I can do all of the silly, insane things that I wasn't able to do while I was attending. So it's a day for pranks and mischief and yeah. acting like a lunatic. Yeah. Larrikin. <laughs> yeah, larrikin <laughs> behaviour. Another time on a tradition of uh, Australian schooling is something called schoolies. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> schoolies is a massive party that doesn't happen at school. It happens on the Gold Coast, which is a touristy area full of bars and clubs, uh, where basically every single student in Australia, especially along the eastern coast, I don't know if people come over the way from Western Australia, no. but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, basically all travel to the Gold Coast and party after school has closed down. After the end of year exams are done and before Christmas, there's like several weeks worth of parties. Yeah. Uh, And it's called schoolies. And you are a schoolie when you attend for your year. You're a foolie when you are too young and you attend the older years. Mm. And you're a toolie when you're too old and you continue to go to schoolies even though you shouldn't still be coming. (laughs) Yeah. As people who grew up in that sort of part of the world or near it, it was a constant mm. menace every year. We're like, oh, schoolies again. Every like, year. Ugh. Schoolies again. <laughs> it was also a menace to, like, me specifically because my birthday is right at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, I was one of a handful of people who couldn't participate in schoolies because I wasn't 18. Yeah. <laughs> my schoolies year. So it was very annoying and upsetting and I never got to enjoy it. <laughs> um... Yeah. So, magical schoolies, like, I don't know if it would happen along the Gold Coast with all the muggles. No, no. It might. I mean, But sure. I think they would just have their own version. They might. Like, I reckon there's, like, you know, you either go along with the muggles to the Gold Coast, or there's, like, a magical one where they all go out in the middle of nowhere and just fuck around, and yeah. Yeah. Classic. Um, Good times. School motto. School motto. We've landed here. <laughs> a couple of episodes ago, you, as a joke, threw out a school motto, Primus Cuntus. Yeah. I looked that up because I'm like, what if it's, what if she's landed on it? <laughs> what if it's perfect? <laughs> uh, but in Latin, that translates to first count, which I don't think is a very good school motto. Well. <laughs> 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 I'm just going to give a major, like, corny warning. <laughs> corny warning. <laughs> um, because I couldn't think of anything good. Like, a lot of school mottos in Australia are just, like, random sports values put together. Yeah. Like courage and strength, like mm-hmm. like you know, wisdom and teamsmanship or something. It's just determination. A bunch of yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like ours was some sort of variation on like try, try yeah. your best was our yeah. high school motto. Then I can't think of what my university's motto was. I think it was just like something like excellence and achievement or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's all that yeah. sort of stuff. Some I bullshit. was trying to think of something, and I was like, uh, our leaders are learned, but that sounds gross and wanky. Mm. Um, community is strength I thought might be interesting because of like you know you travel around you see all these different parts of Australia yeah I like that um, I was thinking maybe because we're traveling around like maybe something about learning as a journey or something like yeah, that or the journey to learn something like journey that journey to learn sounds good I had always growing um, mm. journey to learn sounds better though and then I had my last one which was sort of dumb but silly but also cute um, mateship stay afloat <laughs> <laughs> I like something incorporating mateship. I was yeah. also thinking, I didn't have any ideas for this before we came into it, because I knew we'd find it in the episode. Uh, the cloak idea that is like the story of your entire yeah. education. So maybe something of like, 
uh, story of learning, learning through story, learning through time, something like that. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. Um, yeah, something like that. So maybe, yeah, what was the other one that I said that was good? Journey to Learn. Or Journey, Journey to Learn. Yeah. Or, so like, maybe something like story, story, journey, learning, something like that. Just combining those ideas. Yeah, that's sort of the vibe. Um, yeah, remember that Hogwarts motto is never tickle a sleeping dragon as well, which has nothing to yeah. do with education. <laughs> well, it's just good advice. Just um, good advice. Just yeah. remember, come here for seven years worth of schooling and also this one piece of advice. <laughs> um, there, that's everything I have. On Oakeshaw Academy. Um, Oakeshaw Academy. I love it. I think we made a really cool school. <laughs> yeah, I would actually want to go. Yeah. Like, you know, I probably wouldn't wag that much if I went to Oakeshaw yeah. Academy. Hang out with the Kanas, the Bullocks, the Murrays, and the Goliaths. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. remember that learning is a journey, <laughs> the motto <laughs> of our school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. learning learning as a journey is such a fucking lame motto but it's very cool when combined with the fact that for the school you actually do journey around and learn yeah you go on a somewhat <laughs> pilgrimage around the country yeah <laughs> for what six years yeah seven years yeah um, yeah good stuff i i really do, i don't know what to say it's kind of shocking because like you said this is our last like content episode mm. um so yeah i guess that's Harry Potter. That's Harry Potter. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We set out... Look, this is the sort of stuff that we should be talking about in next episode when we wrap up the entire series. Yeah. But let's just wrap up the Australian magical stuff at the moment. Yes, okay. Let's do Definitely that. no one has gone into magical Australia in this level of depth. <laughs> <laughs> and no one ever will again. <laughs> who, who would want to? <laughs> Remember us when JK publishes her inevitable magic oh. wank about Australia. <laughs> Every time yeah. you see someone tweeting about it, you just drop a link into this series and be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Every time That's you your see... mission, listeners. Every time you see someone say something very culturally insensitive and dumb about how, like, all magic users are using didgeridoos to cast spells or something mm. of that nature, or the magical school is in a hollowed out Uluru, you can just think back on this. Or, I don't know, just do, do some research into the history of this country and the cultures that exist here. It's no, just... you don't have to do that. You don't have to think of research. Oh, yeah. We did it for you. We did Drop it. Drop the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, footnote, cite us. <laughs> yeah, I, I do look forward to see what, um, what JK will inevitably say because I know it's just going to be a fucking travesty. So. Yeah. But hey, we beat her to it, so go fuck yourself, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> We've already done it. Yeah, You can't say win. anything that isn't like, oh, she copied that of us. Or, yeah. oh, she's so fucking stupid for saying that. So, yeah. Primus Contus. That... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Primus Contus first count. We got here first, bitch. We did it. <laughs> we colonized Magical Australia. Now oh, it's ours. <laughs> Absolutely, the goal of this series was always to get all of our ideas out before JK could. Now they're our ideas. Now she's copying us. Now we yes. can sue her. <laughs> that was the goal of this entire six-year journey, to yep. sue JK Rowling for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> 
when she could have done that to us a billion times over. Yeah. <laughs> 126 or however many episodes we end up landing on times over. <laughs> <sighs> well, I've been Jem, and uh, congratulations on graduating wizard school. <laughs> I've been Rhea, Primus Contest. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.